Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. I have a message that's going to take the word Father. We're going to break it down. I have six points in my message, as you can see in your handout. But to do that, I would like to establish a baseline from Scripture when it comes to men. And men, we don't get off. We don't, have, uh, they're, they're, we don't get to be excused uh, on this Father's Day from having a challenge from the Word of God about our inerrant responsibilities. Now, you say, well, that cuts like half of the audience right out from the beginning because half of the audience is, is ladies. Well, then furthermore, there are several single young men here. Here's the purpose of why we preach this message is, yes, there are fathers that need to hear this message, but there are young ladies looking for a man to marry. You should be looking for characteristics that you're going to see today. There are young men who want to marry, and uh, they want in the future to be the father that they should be. You should take note. And for those wives uh, whose, whose husband doesn't do the things that we're talking about today, maybe you can be salt and light in your home. So the message absolutely applies. The Bible even says, My son, hear the instruction of a father. The, Paul wrote, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye should walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Samuel, you remember the story? The Bible says, In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he, Eli, restrained them not. Proverbs is full of instruction. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crime. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, um, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Withhold not correction from the child, for thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. That's simply talking about spanking, not literally beating. Uh, We could probably use a better word there in our Bible. And Proverbs 29, verse 17, it says, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. And he shall give delight unto thy soul. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your father, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? And ye fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath, but there's a command. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they become discouraged. 
throughout history, long before the Marines, God has been looking for a good, a few good men. And this takes us to our text verse this morning. Look with me, Ezekiel chapter number 22 and verse number 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap for me, uh, before me for the land that I should not destroy it. And then there's these damning words from Scripture. But I found none. God is still looking for a few good men that will stand and make up the gap. God is looking for some men who will be the fathers and grandfathers that he intends. Father, I ask that you'll help. We've accomplished so much today with baby dedications and beautiful music. We've honored you through our worship. Now, Father, would you be honored through the preaching of the Word of God, and may we, as men, be willing to make a commitment to be the examples and the leaders that you've instructed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I have an illustration to share with you that came from Fox News just this week, and it talked about the absentee father. All across our land, in a large percentage of homes, primarily black families, but it is filtered over into Hispanic families, into white families, into Asian families. But across the land in the United States of America, there is an alarming percentage of absentee fathers. And so I could hone in on that statistic. It's an alarming statistic that one out of every five children do not have a dad 20% of all the children. I could hone in on those statistics, and I could hone in on the fact that we have fathers that are deadbeat uh, dads. But here's the reality. They're not here this morning. You are here. And I want to say thank you, dads, for being here in church today. Thank you for being an example to your children. Grandfathers, thank you for being an example to your children. It reminds me... uh, of what the Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward them. I say men, boys, fathers, grandfathers, uncles, and friends, God, give us some men. Now listen to me. We don't need any more effeminate men. We need some men. Some men who will act like men. Some men who will dress like men. Some men who will be an example. We do not need any more effeminate men. Your children do not need an example of an effeminate father. God, give us some men. Let me illustrate it from Scripture. Give us some Noahs to whom we can trust with your mighty plans. Give us some Abrahams who are willing to leave home and homeland to follow your call. Give us some Josephs who would rather endure prison than violate one of your commands. Give us some Moses who will be willing to stand as your mouthpiece against the powerful leaders in all of our world. My friend, in the United States of America, we have wickedness in high places. 
We have a president of the United States of America who by executive order has, uh, ha, who has pandered to the left on assigning gender identities and saying how easy he wants to make it for a four and five and six and seven-year-old to change their identity. Where are the men who will stand and say that is evil, that is wicked, and stand in the like Moses, stand in front of someone like an evil president who would do such wickedness. My friend, I'm not talking about your political affiliation. I'm saying that is wicked and that is evil for us to, in the United States of America or any part of the world, to say we're going to change the gender identity of a person. And for a government uh, to facilitate that, to encourage that, uh, it is wicked. And, uh, and I know that some of you, you just, sim- uh, just immediately got uncomfortable. May I just tell you, it should make you uncomfortable. Not because of political affiliation, but because it's, it's against the word of God. Where will there be some men that will stand and say, that is wrong, that is evil. God, give us some Daniels who would rather face a lion's den than compromise their faith. I say this morning, God, give us some men. However, the reality is that God didn't give us men. He gave us boys. To us parents, he gives us the task of forging these boys and these girls into men and boys, uh, to, into, into men and young ladies. And to help equip us for that task, God gave us something called a printed manual, the Word of God. For example, the book of Proverbs is largely made up of fatherly advice to a son. And our children are our legacy. And as a dad or a father, are you taking that thought seriously? Your children, your children will learn from you and they become your legacy. And if we're going to mold our children into all that God demands they be, then there are some demands that God places upon us. And there are some duties that are uh, placed upon us. And with that in mind, we're going to take each letter of that word father. And I'd like to give you six duties of a father, of a man. The letter F is duty number one. God is looking for some men who will be faithful. God is looking for some men who will be faithful. The Bible says there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright. One that feared God and one that eschewed evil. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 5, And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them. He rose up early in the morning and he offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. The Bible gives us another story in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter number 28 and verse number 18. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare thy heart unto thee. And give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect or mature heart to keep thy commandments and thy testimonies and thy statutes and to do all these things and to build the palace for the which I I have made provision. We we need faithful men in our family. We need some faithful men in our church. Someone wrote, Son, the greatest burden that you are laying upon your dad this minute is your unsaved soul. Dad, 
the greatest burden that you are laying upon your son this minute is your unsaved soul. Son, the greatest gift that you can give your father is the assurance that you will see him in heaven. Dad, the greatest gift that you can give your son is the assurance that you will see him in heaven. Dad, men, be faithful. Be faithful. Be fantastic. Be fair. Live faith. That's a duty. Be faithful. Duty number two, and this is an unusual word. And as I was thinking just this week about what word to use for the letter A, because of the statistics, I'm going to use the word attached. We need some fathers and some men who will be attached. We need men who will not strive to be buddy-buddy with their children, but to be a loving father. The, Christ, uh, the Scriptures give no endorsement of today's doting fathers, appeasing their guilt by giving toys instead of time, things instead of training, diversion instead of discipline. May I just say, be attached to all of your children. Avoid favoritism, unlike Isaac, the example that Isaac provided, uh, that he had favor over one child, over another. But be fair and attached in your household. The Bible says, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peacefully unto him. Dad, supply the needs within your family. Yes, there are too many deadbeat dads in our society, and this should not be so in the church. That example should not be in the church house. I'd like for you to listen to a passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter number 7, where Jesus, speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, teaching his disciples, and no doubt dozens and dozens of other people that were there, he said this, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if a son, a son ask bread, will he give him a stone? And if he ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him. I ask you this morning, where are the men who will be attached? Where are the men who will be affectionate to their children? Where are the men who will appreciate their children? Where are the men who will be assertive, as in, we will follow the Lord in our house? And where are the men who will be available to their children? I say, men, we have a duty, and it's a large duty. The third duty I see of a man comes from the letter T. Men, it is your responsibility to oversee that there is training going on in your house. You have a responsibility to train your children. You are to be the spiritual leader in your home. You are to embrace and you are to serve God and provide that example. And to do this, you must instruct you must guide, you must warn, you must nourish your children in the Word and at church and by your example. Um, does the Bible say that? Where in the Bible does it say it's my responsibility as the male in my home? Proverbs chapter 22 says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. My son 
Hear the instruction of thy father. Forsake not the law of thy mother. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from the heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. In Psalm 78, we have a lengthy passage of Scripture, but it certainly applies this morning. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which ye have heard and known. Our fathers have told us. Our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make known to who? Their children, that the generations to come might know them, even the children, uh, children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Men, it's your responsibility that your children know about God. It is not the VBS workers' responsibility. It is not mom's responsibility. It is not grandma's responsibility. Men, we are to set the spiritual temperature in our home when it comes to learning the things of God. The Bible says, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. If we lose our next generation, it does not fall on the shoulders of moms. It falls on the shoulders of dads. I don't like that. Take the issue up with God. For he says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. It doesn't switch in that verse, but moms is still speaking to dads. But dads, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Dad, whether we like it or not, our children will be a clone of our spirituality. And this only further substantiates the need for you to train, train, train. The Lord said this to Abraham, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, and he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring up Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Ample scriptures to show that men are responsible. And therefore, when there is an absentee father, it makes it even more difficult for the church to stay strong, for the family unit to not disintegrate. Paul often taught about the family and the relationship uh, specifically with the fathers. He said this, And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye should walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. 
Paul wrote this to Timothy, and we know that Paul and Timothy were very close, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Dad, you are to train your children in spiritual matters, in areas of manners and career choices and money management and areas of dating and marriage. You have a big, you have a massive responsibility. Embrace it. It's yours. Don't run from it. Don't shirk it. Don't uh, delegate it to someone else. Make sure that this is happening in your home. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children that have rebelled against me. Dad, you have a big responsibility. You need to be a terrific, a tactful trainer. You need to take the time. Don't be a tyrant, but be true. Duties we have now Examine this morning, require of dad to be faithful, attached, to train. And now we get to the fourth duty of a father, and I've entitled this duty, home. Home. Not house, not hobby, but home. Many fathers are willing to give their children everything except themselves. Dad, let me beg you this morning, establish a loving nurturing home for your children. The assumption of the entire biblical record is that a father will be home working with his children and teaching them. May I just say the hunting club will wait till after the kids are gone. The hobbies will still be available after your children are gone. Extra duties at work can wait, but children will not. They cannot wait. You only have 6,570 days with each of your children before they turn the age of 18. And if your child is already the age of five, you only have 1,825 days uh, have already been used up. If your child is 10, 3,650 days have already been used up. If your child is 15, 5,475 days have already been used up. If you sleep eight hours per day, that takes 1,500 days of their life. If you work eight hours per day, that's another 1,500 days. If you spend two hours each day preparing for work and commuting, that takes 375 days. Adding all this up, and you subtract from that 6,570 and another 3,375, that only leaves us 3,195 days to impact the next generation. Oh, my. How difficult. And assuming we take the above examples and allow for two weeks of vacation and weekends without dad working, we only have 136 days uh, worth per year uh, and hours to spend with our children. And you divide that by the number of children in your family and your spouse, and then you take away time for chores. And dad, you had better be home. You had better spend some time at home. You had better be taking those kids with you because the clock is ticking. Dr. Potter tells the story of a young man who stood at the bar of a court of justice to be sentenced for the crime of forgery. The judge, he had known this young man from a child, for his father was a famous legal authority, and his work on the law of trust was the most exhaustive work at that time that was in existence. The judge had the young man stand before him in the courtroom. And he says, do you remember your father, that father that you have disgraced? The young man 
who had been convicted of the crime of forgery, he answered, I remember him perfectly. When I went to him for advice or companionship, he would look up from his book on the law of trust and he would say, Run away, boy. Run away. I'm busy. My father, he finished his book, and here I am. The great lawyer, the father, had neglected his own trust with awful results. Dad, our times are limited. Soon other influences, perhaps outside our control, is going to press upon our children. Do what you can while you can. Dad, be honest at home and establish harmony and provide hope at home. Dad, be your children's greatest hero at home. Duty number five, some of you are saying, hurry up. I don't like this message. The next duty at home, duty number five, is the word I'm going to use this morning called example. Example. Thinking of the letter E, I thought of many words. Fathers are endangered. Dads should be excellent. Dads should provide encouragement. Dads are to equip. But the greatest word I felt led to use here this morning in this morning's message is that dads, we are to provide an example. We provide an example in so many different ways. We provide an example spiritually. Uh, we provide an example in the way we manage our money. We provide an example in the way we treat our wife. We provide an example in the way we work and our work worth ethic. We are to be an example. Do you remember this story in the Old Testament about Abram and Sarah and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And uh, he said unto Sarah, his wife, Behold, now I know thou art a beautiful woman. You are hot stuff. You are great to look upon. And he said, When the Egyptians shall, shall see thee, they'll want to kill me. And Abram said to Sarah, Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with, uh, with me for thy sake, and that my soul shall, shall live because of thee. Do you remember what happened? The Scripture gives us the example. Fourteen chapters later, in the book of Genesis, we read of Isaac and Rebekah. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said... She's my sister, for he feared to say, she is my wife, lest, uh, said he, the men of the place would kill me for Rebekah, because she was good looking to look at. Father taught his son. Where in the world did Isaac learn this? From a very direct example of his father. Children observe, they watch us, um, Often our example determines what an effective father is from an ineffective father. And the former uh, takes note of the importance of exposure to his children, that every moment he is with them is a chance to make a positive impression for the purpose of character building and spirit development. May I just tell you, my children are now grown, but I can see in my, in my sons today things that they learned from me, and some of those things I'm not proud of. Some things I'm very proud of. But I have also seen that they have some examples that they learned from their dad. We are always an example. I read a 
story that broke my heart because it happened in a preacher's home. A dog. We love our dogs. Everybody loves a dog. Dogs are great. Somebody even said dogs are God's angels. They look out over us. I don't know. I don't believe that, but I just know everybody loves a dog. When my dad died, we bought mom a dog, and the dog lived for 12, 13 years. It was a great companion to my mom. A strange dog showed up at the preacher's house, and his three sons, they fell in love with the dog. And it so happened that there were three white hairs in the animal's tail. One day, uh, uh, an advertisement was in the newspaper and one of those uh, telephone pole advertisements. Uh, uh, the owner was looking for the dog that fit this description perfectly. In the presence of my three boys, the pastor said, we carefully separated the three white hairs and removed them from the dog. Word got around. The real owner discovered that, uh, the, that where the stray canine had found a home and, and knocked on the preacher's door and claimed the dog. And the dog showed every sign of recognition of its owner. And, and the man was ready to take the dog away. The pastor said, didn't you say the dog would have three white hairs in its tail? Oh, yes. And the owner looked and he could not find the three white hairs, and he left the dog there. The pastor said later, we kept the dog, but I lost all three boys for Christ. His sons no longer had confidence in what their father professed because he didn't practice what he preached. Dads, we must be an example. We need to be faithful. We, need to, uh, we, we certainly need to be an example in how we treat other people. We need to be an example in our civic duties. We need to work hard and provide a work ethic. We need to be bold where, we, where the Bible tells us to be bold. Oh, my time is almost gone. We have time for one more. Our sixth and final duty as a dad or as men is the term I like this one. I want to end on a high note called relationship relationship dad you can be remarkable in the business world you can have a great reputation among your peers but do you have a relationship with your children do you know that jesus models this for he has a relationship with us he doesn't have religion he has a relationship with each one of us who are willing to have that relationship um May I just say, rescue, reprove your children while there is hope. Charles Spurgeon said this, if we never have headaches through rebuking our children, we shall have heartaches when they grow up. The Bible even commands us to work on our relationships with our children. He that spareth his rod, or he who fails to discipline his children, hateth his children, is what the, this verse is saying. Chasing your son while there is hope. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. Um, withhold not correction from a child. Correct thy son and he shall give thee rest. Uh, the Bible is full of scripture and there's many that were listed there for you. In the Old Testament there's numerous examples. But I end with this verse found from Colossians chapter 3. 
In verse number 21, it says this, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged, or lest they learn your example, lest there's no relationship. Dad, you are the one to set the perimeter fence in the lives of your children. Build the proper relationship right now. Begin today. I haven't been a good dad before today. That's okay. Start today. Make the difficult decisions in order to save your children. James Dobson, he said this, um, talking about the attitude toward a child's disobedience. He says, uh, here's what our attitude should be. I love you too much to let you behave like that. I love you. I love you too much to let you behave like that. There are six duties that we have defined today, Dad. Be faithful. Be attached. Never shrink from that responsibility to train. Establish a home, not a house, a home. Be the example that God intended and never avoid having a strong relationship with you. I love my children. I, I, I love hanging out. It's such a privilege to have one of my children live here in the same town and, and just to be able to hang out with Jonathan, spend time, and our relationship has morphed from father-son to, to friends. And, um, I, you know, I hope he can say the same thing. I just love hanging out with him. I love spending time with him. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and he challenges me, and he motivates me, and he pushes me. And I try to be a great example in the lives of my grandchildren to have a relationship with them. So as I conclude this morning, there are eight ways that you can uh, destroy a relationship with your children. I'm going to do, my time is gone. Let's just read them. I think they're in your notes there. Are they in your notes? Number one, here's how you destroy your children. Provide your children with plenty of free spending money. Permit your children to choose their own companions without restraint. Give your children a latch key and allow them to return home at any hour of the night. Make no inquiry as to where and with whom your children spend their leisure hours. Allow your children to understand that manners make a good substitute for morals. Let your children expect pay for every act of helpfulness. Agree that your children spend their church time hours doing their hobbies instead of in church. Be careful to never let your children hear you pray. Eight ways to destroy. But I don't want to end there. How about that's eight ways that you, dad, men, can make a difference. Make home the brightest and the most attractive place on earth. Make your children responsible for the performance of a limited number of daily duties. Never punish your children in anger. Do not ridicule your children's sins, but rather talk frankly on matters in which they need to learn. Let your children invite their friends to your home and to your table. Be careful to impress upon your children's minds that making character is more important than making money. Live uprightly before your children at all times, then you'll be able to talk to your children with power. Be much in prayer uh, for your children's spiritual salvation and growth. Pray with your children daily as well as pray for your children in private. There is the Father's Prayer that I put in there. I will not take the time to read it this morning. I trust that you will read that from General Douglas MacArthur. We are losing too many of our children to this world. And we have... Please listen to me carefully. Too many wimpy fathers who will not stand and do 
what is right as a dad. Men, God is looking for real men. Will you be one? Will you take today's message? I think it's interesting. During Mother's Day, we had lots of amens. The men, amen, 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 amen. Ladies, I should have given you blanket permission. Please yell out amen. There hasn't been a lot of amens in this morning's message, but it does not change the truth of the message, even if we haven't publicly responded. My friend, God is looking for real men. Let's be real men.